Today, we will talk all about the nuances of managing materials that go into the scrap bin. It's a lot more complicated than just taking out the trash. In this episode, we'll discuss the placement of scrap bins, what belongs in the bin and what doesn't, turnover, and how proper management of the scrap bin can reduce costs and produce revenue. You are listening to I Need This Gone Tomorrow, a podcast by Material Management Resources. MMR is a full-service investment recovery firm serving a variety of industries, including oil and gas and utilities. On this podcast, we talk all about responsible investment recovery, which is more than an afterthought. It can become a strategic advantage and differentiator if it's handled properly. This podcast is about how you and your company can leverage investment recovery in your projects. My guests today are Melissa Graham and Stephen Williford. Welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Excited to be here. So scrap bin management might seem like a throwaway to a lot of people, but you guys know it's anything but. What are the most common misconceptions about scrap bin management that you've experienced? Well, I think uh, the most common misconception is it's easy just to throw something away. And in reality, it's really not. It's really complicated with what we have to do and make sure that it is stuff that, you know, it's valued. You just can't randomly throw something away and like, hey, you know, that's a million dollars right there. That's just that's not how it works. And I think another misconception is, is what it's worth. A lot of people think if I throw it in a scrap bin that it's not really worth as much as, you know, if we go to sell it or something like that. That's not commonly true. It's just maybe that you need a scrap bin to, you know, that fits your material. You know, uh, say, for instance, if you have wire, wire usually comes on a spool, but if you don't have it on a spool, it's like spaghetti trying to put it on a truck. It's easier to put it in a bin in that case. You still get, you know, your max value out of it. You just needed a box at that time. So, And we see the misconception of people thinking it's going to cost me to recycle this material because they're so used to having to pay for waste bins and things going out that way that they don't realize that there's a value associated with the metallurgy that may be put in a, in a recycle bin. And so, you know, if they contact a company and the company says, hey, we'll, we'll drop bins there and we won't charge you anything and we'll just take it away for you. They think, oh, great. It's not costing me anything, but they're losing out on that revenue that could be coming back to them by not going through the process. And it carries over um, to my personal life in that watching a home improvement show and the woman's pulling out copper pipe and she's like, yeah, I found somebody that'll come and take it away from me and I'm not having to pay anything. And, you know, I'm yelling at the TV. No, there's value there. <laughs> That's funny because I go around doing that too. Like, yeah. This guy needs me. It is, I don't know what he's doing, but he needs me. <laughs> How does scrap bin management fit into the life cycle of a project? Well, scrap bin management is kind of like the veins to a project, if you look at it that way. Uh, scrap bins, what they do is they keep a project moving. So obviously you can't, you know, keep somebody there 24-7, but with a scrap bin, you can. You can you can leave one overnight, get it in the next morning, and it's a constant flow of keeping uh, material going out. They really appreciate it because usually when you're working projects, it's it's a small area, and they can't just throw it on the ground and then, you know, put it in the box. 
it's better than them not doubling handling it. as soon as they take it out they can put it in the box it looks cleaner it's not a mess nobody's tripping over anything they don't have to rope nothing off and it's a continuous cycle of moving material out every day so it's both safe and functional right, right. absolutely what about um Stephen, I know you and I have talked about project management and going through and looking uh, when a project's going to need uh, bins, mm-hmm. but then identifying what should go in it and what we should try to uh, mitigate from not going in it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <clears throat> that if you get a a, a scrap bin in, into the location of the project, you always got to ask them what they're putting in it because to them, metal's metal, and it doesn't matter, you know, what's attached to it. Well you can get into a little danger zone there when you play with that stuff because you don't know what's attached to it or, you know, the say whatever a pipe piece of pipe is clean, but whatever's attached to it's not. So you have to ask them, you know, what's going in there and they'll tell you, you know, Hey, we're demoing this. It'll be, you know, straight clean metal is fine. Now that's not stopping. Let's just say his cousin that lives in the next unit. It's like, man, I need a scrap bin, but I don't need one here all the time. I'll just use theirs. Well, when that gets thrown in there, that ends up being, Hey, we don't even have that stuff here. That must have been somebody over at night. So there's a saying when we work, if you can't do it right, do it at night. If you can't do it right, you do it at night. Is that an MMR thing or is that more of a job site job site thing? <laughs> Absolutely not. That's a that's just uh, what we call plant talk out there. It's okay. A, that's, that's, that's probably worldwide. Everybody's going, hey, stop giving away our lingo out here. So, yeah, so um, when you identify on – when you go into a project, you want to identify that, hey, this is scrap. If, if they have a laydown yard or they have room for you to um, uh, put it to the side, the, the surplus that you can find in there. And there's other surplus things that you want. Like you don't want them to just chunk in great valves or exchangers or anything like that. You want to make sure that you can identify that, hey, that ladder, that can go in the scrap bin. No problem. That's scrap. But these over here, these are really nice. We could probably double your money by surplus. So don't throw those in the bin. And they'll say, well, we don't have the room. Well, I have a laydown yard. You can bring it over to me. So they have a, you just have to work with them and know who you're around and what your functions are. Sometimes they don't have manpower for that and you have to come up with other creative ways to move the material around. But to go in there and see what's going on as far as, hey, make sure this goes in the scrap bin, but this needs to stay out because I can double your money for it is really important because if not, they'll just throw it all away. At the end of the project, you're like, man, I can't believe there's no surplus on that. If you don't know what you're looking for, they're just going to throw it away. Continue. You just kind of got to be that divider between Hey, don't stop throwing that away. So the common word um, and that the the site thinks is um, scrap, but it's actually recycling. There's value in um, what's going in that bin, and we're keeping it out of the landfill. So, And we're returning um, funds to the cost center or the project. When is it most advantageous to think about scrap bin management? It's a daily process, um, 24-7. You've got to stay on top of it. Um, you're watching bin capacities, placements, um, making sure that it's being turned as frequently or um, as seldomly as needed, mm-hmm. um, that you know they're not taking overweight bins and that they're not removing uh, underweight bins that are only half full. Um, scrap vendors really, you know, want to make sure they're getting their uh, full capacity for the truck. It's best to think about um, at the beginning of a project rather than the end, because if you try to do it in the end, it's like it's like uh... You've already prepared, you know, your meal. Now, now, now mm-hmm. you just can't just scrape it all off and try to do it again. If you get it at the beginning, then 
things works out a little bit smoother than because uh, you're going to hit hiccups no matter what project you do or what scrap bin you do. You're going to run into nothing but uh, little hiccups here and there. But, you know, that's just that's life. Everybody runs into it and that's what we're going to do. But uh, as far as 24-7, yes, absolutely. It's You can't just say, oh, okay, I'll see you guys on Friday and it's Monday. You'll come back to a whole entire <laughs> new game. <laughs> if you if you don't stay on top of it, because you, you have personalities to deal with, just like drivers and uh, the people where it's going. So you never know what kind of uh, personality you're going to get that morning. What you get in the bins and what you uh, – how much work you put into it, it, it really makes the job a lot smoother going into the, uh, the end of the week. Well, and it's not just personalities and, and site requirements, but it's a safety issue because if a bin gets overfilled, it puts safety at risk Yeah, to remove those items and it just gets complicated. Yeah. So when, when, a, when a bin gets over full, it's not just you go scrape the top of it and we're done. You know, this is heavy stuff. So what they have to do is actually get a crew because you can't go into our box. It's considered a confined space inside the plant. What you have to do is get a crew. It's either going to be a uh, a crane or it's going to be a forklift to actually take the stuff off the top. It has to be even with the box. And that usually you run into, if it's over the top, it's going to be overweight too. So just count on it. So then you have to have to deal with. So they have to take out even more. So it's it's actually a process. So if you don't stay on top of them, you'll have three or four of those a day and you can see how that's going to start. It's going to cost them money to start pulling stuff out. And it's double work for everybody. Okay. So what you guys are describing here is very hands-on management, very proactive. It isn't just toss it in there and let's see if it works. You guys are really working with the client day-to-day hour to hour to make sure that they are putting the right stuff in there and managing its weight and outflow and all of that properly. Absolutely. You you have to stay on top of all that. There's there's not a day that I don't have to go through and think about, okay, I haven't heard from this area in a little while. Let me let me check on this box, see what's going on. Or you know, you'll get a call from your driver and go, hey, it's overloaded. There's nothing we can do right now with the box. You have to get tell him to, you know, fix it to get it out. Or he gets it back all the way to the place and it's it's super heavy or something like that. So, I mean, there, there's all kind of little hiccups, like I was saying, that, that mm-hmm. comes up. But absolutely, you have to stay on it 24-7 to, to really know what's going on out there. And we've had um, some clients that didn't have a scrap bin management program going on. Um, the sites were decentralized. The site handled it on their own. Um, when we started working with them to try to put it out for a competitive bid, they were like, you know, we really don't know where we have bins. We don't know where the money's going. You know, the guy may bring a check when he picks it up. They weren't certain. So not only from the safety and the site um, constraints that we can can assist with, we've got you know, the back end office of reports and making sure that those funds are being collected, that they're paying the right amounts, they're going to the right cost centers and offsetting project cost for them too. So it's a it's a two two step process as far as site and a control process. Right. What kind of criteria do you or does your client use to select a scrap bin vendor? We go through a bidding process. Um a lot of times we'll know the players in the market. Some new ones will come in or, or a company that we've worked with at one site wants to start working at a, another site. Um, we go through a vetting process with them. Um, first of all, it's 
can they handle the workflow? And if there's a special project that needs that 24-7 service and they've got to provide drivers at nights or weekends, are they going to be able to do it? Mm -hmm. Um, The site does have the the, um, ability to reach out and, you know, cover those with additional support if they need. Uh, We look at at how they're going to price it. Uh, We use the American metal market as an index and have them price it with a differential, you know, plus or minus percentage of, so that it's um, a current pricing structure for them. And then we'll go out and do um, site visits of the vendor, you know, walk through their process. What does it look like when a bin comes here? How do you segregate uh, so that we know that you're pulling out the different metallurgies and paying the right price on non-ferrous versus paying it all at carbon? Um, Is your site safe? Mm-hmm. Do you have, you know, what, what's your OSHA logs? What are your environmental, you know, do you have any um, environmental fines or, or constraints? So we go through kind of a vetting process with them too. Mm-hmm. And then um, how, how quick can they respond to a site request? Is it going to be, you know, you've got to call me and it's a week before I can have a bin out there, or is it, you know, more realistic in a 24 hour window or um, something like that? Right. Conveying that plus all of the environmental regulations and things that Mm -hmm. if you didn't vet them for OSHA and you didn't vet them for environmental issues, that customer would never know that. Right. And we'll provide those recommendations to the client. Um, This is what we saw when we went to visit. This is maybe where we have a concern. This is where we think this vendor may be better than the vendor you recommended to us. And here's mm-hmm. why, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the, at end of the day, it's the business lines decision. Right. Um, and the approver of who we go with and based on pricing and safety. Uh, but yeah, safety, as we've talked before is a primary concern. Yep. Can you tell us about a time when MMR started managing the scrap bin for a client and give us a few details about the difference that it made to them? Okay. I had a uh, a project. It was a uh, a big project that they were doing. They were putting in a massive expansion, mm-hmm. and uh, the the current person we had inside was uh, he couldn't handle the mass flow that just all of a sudden hit him. So he he was back and he was backed up. So what we did, we went and we just like most said, we we go out and we go find the buyers and and we found one that could handle the workflow, and. Right away, I'm going, oh, God, it's going to be a nightmare because they're already in there. we got to get these guys in there. we got to put them where the bins are, everything. And it wasn't. I mean, we actually handled it pretty well. They, they worked with us perfectly. It's, and what we had to do was uh, when one bin left, the other one came in. It was like it, it, never, it never stopped. But once we got them in there, the workflow came out way better because it wasn't slow. No one uh, was getting held up. The expansion of the project went well because they didn't have to worry about you know, can we get this hauled out? And they even came back and said, hey, you know, I didn't even, uh, I wasn't even sure that we could do that. And you guys found homes for stuff that uh, we didn't think would ever leave this site. It'd become, you know, plant life inside here. On another case that we had is that we had this certain material coming out. We could not get it out through a regular vendor. Okay. And that it's a common thing. Sometimes certain vendors have certain rules. They won't take certain things. They have to have it certain ways. Some other vendors go, hey, you know, we'll do the work here. So we had to find that for a couple of the sites that, you know, they're like, hey, we're stuck with this. Help us. We don't know what to do. Can you give us a path forward? Yeah. You know, there's always an out. 
So we went to them. We uh, talked it out. We gave them the layout plan of it. And this is how this is going to go. This is uh, if we do it this way, we should be able to get it out. No problem. Everyone's safe. They were super happy because they didn't have to look at it anymore. It was an eyesore, and we got them out of audit trouble. Yeah, when we do that, um, we've looked at the vendors. We've we've seen how their prices align with um, the current service. So you know, while it may not be a, a service issue to trade them out, it might be a pricing, or they might give up a little bit on the pricing because. Um, they're receiving better service and they're not having to incur cost um, on the site to ready the material um, to leave. It's a, it's a cost savings for them. And so that cost savings might offset a little bit of a difference in the price they're receiving back. Um, and then we pull it in and we're making sure that that's going to the right project, to the right um, company codes, uh, the metallurgy is being captured as far as what left in mm -hmm. case they have to do reports on the back end as far as, you know, was it carbon steel that left or stainless? And and um, we can give the project managers, here's how your project's doing um, real time. Can you give us an example of when it was really beneficial to the client to have active management of the project? Yeah, so um, like I was say, saying beforehand, the expansion that they had on the project, reason why we uh, made the workflow work so great was the, all the prep work we had beforehand. They called us, they let us know, you know, this is the overall project and this is what we want to recycle. Can we do this at, you know, three months down the road? And absolutely we can. We love that kind of stuff because that gives us, you know, the utensils we need to prepare for what's going on. So we had nothing that would slow down the project as far as, you know, Hey, we have this now. Good. We're prepared for it. We have the, uh, the truck ready. It's waiting at the gate for you. Boom. Put it on the truck. It's gone. So just like being prepared, everyone loves to be prepared. You don't always get the time, but when we do get the time, we take the advantage, advantage of it. And we have everything setting ready for you to, you know, fully function safely, get it out. And we're, the project never stops. Right. And we were able to identify what wouldn't go in the bins. And so what we would need flatbeds for or mm -hmm. a different type of, of trucking. And we were able to stage that, you know, leave a flatbed there, let them load it up so that, as Stephen mentioned, they weren't having to move it twice. Mm -hmm. um, because if we can help them and only move it once, it it helps with their project cost as well. Um, and we found one recently, too, in the Gulf Coast area that um, they were paying a vendor to remove the scrap bins and started talking to them. And, and it's a, a new project there. And we were able to quickly bid it out, get bins in place, knew what their project requirements were. And so now they're receiving funds back versus funds going out. So it's drastically reduced the price of their project um, to the tune of we've been doing that since um, September 19th. So just about a year. And then, you know, already 192,000 has come back to their project or 950 gross tons of material. Wow. Yeah. Well, I don't even one, know what 950 gross tons looks like. <laughs> That's a lot. A lot. <laughs> well, in the expansion project Stephen's talking about, it was 5,400 gross tons of steel and $660,000 back to their project. Let's talk about placement. How do you determine the best spot on a job site? It's just like anything, location, location, location. It is so important. I mean, there's safety. Are there overhead lines? Are there, you know, power lines? Are there um, pipeline from the unit running over um, those? 
are there hazards like a fire hydrant that might be there that the truck driver could accidentally back over or, you know, not see? So you want a clear area. You want to inspect mm-hmm. it first. Um, I know when I've gone out to to visit Stephen at the job site, he'll take me by some of the bin locations. And because of the way the roll-off bins come off of the truck and it lifts up, you've got to have clearance mm-hmm. for, for it to be loaded and unloaded versus just sitting there. And I'll look at that spot and I'll think, uh, no there's way. no way. I'm glad I'm not the one having to pull that one out of there. Because um, there's been some that have been really, you know, tight spots of right in the unit in an active and the, the uh, pipeline going right over it. Or there was a project that he took and showed, took me to and showed me that um, it was a laydown yard. And I mean, they had to have what a bobcat move the bin even out yeah, to an bob, area that you could yep, bobtail that yeah. you could um, load it with. And it had to be um, basically arranged with the guys on in the unit because they might have project material that's going in for the turnaround laying in the way of it. So you had to coordinate, you know, look, the bin's getting full. We need the, that material moved so we can pull it out and keep and, the project moving. Yeah. And that's one of the, uh, the deals too, is they, they, they stuff these things as, you know, as close as possible uh, to the project. Cause you don't want to haul metal across, you know, halfway across the, uh, the site, you know, anything could fall mm-hmm. off a forklift, whatever they're hauling it with. So they, they're trying to put it, you know, on the project and not all the time. Like Melissa said, uh, that Pacific project she was talking about is we couldn't use the full semi to get it anymore. We had to use a bobtail, which is a smaller truck. So as the full semi, it was so packed in there that he couldn't, you know, make the right curve to pull it up on the box. If you've never seen how a scrap box is put onto the trailer, it's just a winch system. It has two rollers at the front of the box. You hook it up and it winches up. So the box, as she was saying, it elevates. It goes about 40 feet in the air to, to drop it. So you need that clearance too. And that's considering your your power lines, your uh, pipe racks that run above you. That's uh, considering people out of the way. Because <laughs> if you've ever been on any kind of turnaround or any kind of unit, there's people everywhere just walking because they're all trying to get their job done too. So you have to put this huge truck inside this little area and make sure he drops the bin perfectly where he's not blocking the road. He's not uh, too close to anything they're working on. He has to be just right. That's why it's so specific on where do you need the box because you don't want to have to double the twice. Another thing that you have to look for with, with scrap bins is you have dangerous areas that you have to go into. So if you go into an area that has blinking lights, you're already in trouble. So you have to look out for that kind of stuff. And the driver, not all the time, you know, he's just a driver. He comes in. He's not going on. He doesn't know all the rules. So if you're not there and he just drives into say this active unit that they're running, you know, some kind of gas or something like that. He'll drive right through it. And then you, you know, you got a big problem. So always go out and inspect and what's going on. And a lot of times if you don't do that, you'll go to your box and it has nothing but wood in it. But I think we're going to touch on something like that or, you know, <laughs> what, what happens to your boxes when they get placed? Cause not all the time does, do you retrieve metal back? In them. Right. <laughs> but you know, it's the box life. That's how, how it happens. What happens when something goes into a scrap bin that shouldn't? <laughs> the phone starts ringing first. <laughs> yeah. So if you're in a situation with the, uh, for just a couple of examples, what should never, ever go in a scrap bin would be something that has norm, which is radiation. Uh, and that could be something as simple as a piece of concrete. But what it does is 
where they do the norm test, it doesn't uh, tell you, you know, like, hey, this piece is norm. It just does the whole box at one time. It says this has norm. So when it gets back to a scrap vendor, they're like, hey, we can't take that. It has norm. It needs to go back. So once it goes back to the site, they have to either dump the box or have someone goes in the box and find what is going on with that one piece. Or it could be a multiple pieces. It just depends. That's one example of going to be a bad day. <laughs> when you get stuff like, uh, so Norm probably the, the worst nightmare ever because you just can't get a regular guy to go out there. He's got to have a Geiger counter with tests for background to make sure it's not harmful for anybody. You have to have a hazmat team to go in there and look for it. So it just becomes like an endless cycle of uh-ohs is what I call them. <laughs> so that's one example. That's the, probably the worst one you could ever get. We try to educate the mm-hmm. business units. And if a new project's coming up or a new area is requested a bin, you know, we might go out and visit them and find out exactly what material's coming out mm-hmm. and try to do education. You know, if there's fencing going in, well, let's try to limit the concrete that's that's being placed in the, the metal bin as well. If there's bolts, we'll ask them to please norm test them before they put them in because they might have been subject right. to radiation. And so we try to do the preventative on mm-hmm. the front side as well. Excellent. Uh, another example is exchangers. You don't want to put exchanger bundles in it. For the reason is it's like having a giant pencil in a box. When the driver takes a turn, it'll roll, and it could shift his box right off the back of his truck and create an accident. So it's a rule. You don't want to put that in it. It's a lot of weight rolling around. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to um, – I mean, we get a lot of stuff in these boxes. You, you guys, I wish I could just, you know, take you around with me. Um, (laughs) trash trash is is a common deal Uh, sometimes you know it goes back to my you can't do it right do it at night (laughs) you get in you're like man where did all this trash come from this is supposed to be for metal and the whole box is full of trash Um, a way to fix that is you can there's a couple ways so you can do it a nice way and say hey I realize you messed up I know my boxes are because all our boxes are color coded Out in any site you go they're all color coded a trash box would be black. A uh, a metal bin would be red. Seems pretty easy. Not all the time. <laughs> so you get there and you're like, okay, I know you messed up. I thought you just thought it was a trash bin. That's fine. We'll send it to the site. They'll back charge. The, I mean, we'll send it to the scrap vendor. They'll back charge for the box. That way we don't have to have a big mess. So when, say, you put it back and do it again, this time it's not going to be so easy. This time, okay, we're going to dump the box, and now you're going to have a giant mess on the ground. Okay, this is just because if you don't, they're just going to keep doing and doing and doing because there's no repercussions to it. I've had it so many times where they just not, <laughs> they just keep piling in there. So, like, so if you dump it, take your box away and don't put it back, you'd be surprised the phone call you get next. Like, hey, uh, you know, I have a mess. I know. The box goes, uh, the trash goes into the black box, not the red box. And they usually after that, it, it kind of settles down of, okay, you know, we'll put nothing but metal in the red boxes. So when there's high value stuff that goes into the scrap bins, uh, a lot of times it's not cost justified to pull it back out. Like I said, you'd need a team to pull it out. What you want to do is go to the client and tell them, hey, you know, next time you come across this kind of material or whatever uh, widget they put in there that, that we know that's high value, can you call us first before you put it in there? And we'll actually come out and tell you, don't don't throw that in there because that's actually worth a lot of money more than scrap. 
So you just try to keep, you know, stay in their ear constantly whenever you get stuff like that. But um, most of the times, if it's in the box, it doesn't cost justify. We would love to pull it out and put it down, but it's going to cost him manpower, crew, that kind of jewel to, to, to pull it all out. Can you describe the workflow when a client has MMR manage it? Okay, so in areas where MMR manages the recycling program, um, we'll receive calls that a bin is needed. We'll find out project specifics. You know, if it's a one-time, if they're going to need just one bin, you know, how many bins do you need? Um, are there special loading requirements? So we, we ask questions up front, um, make sure we understand their needs. We contact the scrap vendor, have them um, drop the bin. We'll make sure we've got appropriate approvals in place. Uh, for the material that's going to be loaded, and that we've got any accounting information um, that they provide so that once the funds come in, they go to the right center. Um, the material's loaded. The site contacts us. We have the bin removed. Um, the vendor pay, pays based on weight, so we're getting weight tickets from the site and the vendor. We're making sure that the metallurgy that was removed is priced according to contract. Uh, we report that back to the client about on a monthly basis and provide them, you know, specifics as far as here's what's left, here's what, how it was paid, and here's the funds, and this is where it needs to be allocated to. So just to put a light on it, we're not just going to send a driver and just let him go randomly to the box. He's going to have an escort. Usually uh, it's, it's us on the ground that's going to escort him in. He's just not going to random, oh, I'm going to pick that box up today. And you need that for, you know, safety precautions coming in, especially if it's a new site. No one knows what's going on. You need those extra set of eyes. Even when he's picking the box up, make sure, hey, you know, stand back, please. We're trying to get the box, you know, get, you know, you're at least 10 feet away from it. And as you'll be surprised, you'll have people just walk right by and think, hey, you know, stay out of our area because, <laughs> I mean, that box will crush you. It's, it, it is heavy. So, I mean, it's just things like that. They're never alone uh, when you start a project. Uh, maybe after six months, we'll feel, you know, safe enough for him. Okay, you know where the box is. Go get the box. But we're still there anyway, so we might as well just escort him like we always do. What's the most responsible way to account for scrap materials leaving a site? From a control perspective, the first thing is making sure you have the approval of the material to leave the site. Um, material's not supposed to leave without that being in place. Um, a lot of our uh, clients inspect the bin before it's it leaves. It's one of the steps in the process. The driver picks up the bin, goes by the warehouse. Somebody puts eyes on what's actually in that bin as it's going out. So that's a way to notice those high-value items mm -hmm. or maybe some of the other items that shouldn't be in there um, before it even gets to the vendor um, that Stephen talked about. And they um, scale in and out. That way we know what the estimated weight is for that bin and what we should be seeing that the vendor's paying. One of the most interesting things we found, and we educated ourselves, was we were seeing like 30,000 uh, pounds difference in some of the weights. Come to find out, the vendor would remove the, the bin to their yard and then not weigh it until the next day and just use a yard truck to move it, which isn't as heavy as the truck that goes out on the road, and it was the difference in the truck weights. But when it first came up, we're like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, somebody needs to go out and, and physically watch a load coming into the yard. What kind of reports does MMR generate for the client? 
We generate on a routine basis a monthly reconciliation of what's being reported, that we have the ability to pull reports by cost center, by metallurgy, by um, project. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's whatever the client needs. And we kind of pride ourselves on that, that, you know, if we capture the information, which we're capturing everything we can off of that ticket, that we can report it out. And so we work with our clients to see what type of information it is that they need and, and we'll tailor the, the report to them. And if it's a report that we've been providing for two years and all of a sudden they want something different in it, you know, we can tweak it. It doesn't have to, to it's not a static report. We have talked about a lot of different aspects of scrap bin management today. So let me see if I can summarize what we've, what we've talked about. First of all, managing scrap bins is a time-intensive and detail-heavy process. And the management of a scrap bin, in order for it to be productive, has got to be proactive. In scrap bin management, there are lots of ways to overlook value. And proactive recycling, which is really what scrap bin management is, can turn what is a cost to a client into revenue that can go to their bottom line. Yeah, so if you just give it the MMR, we'll catch it. I really want to thank our guests, Stephen and Melissa, for sharing their time and expertise with us today. It was a pleasure to hear you guys talk about scrap bin management, and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you for you're, having us. Yes, and you're welcome. We love the opportunity to talk about what it is that we do. To learn more about material management resources and how we can help you responsibly handle surplus materials and molecules, visit us online at materialmg.com. <laughs>